Hello, and welcome to another special bonus episode of Power Pros Podcast. Once again, I am your host, the Hoff, Chris Hoffman, and joining me on this momentous occasion is Rebecca Rudernath of Nintendo Force Magazine. Hey, Chris, happy to be here. Yeah, thank you for joining me. And we are here to discuss one of both of our favorite series, Ace Attorney, which experiences its global 20th anniversary on October 12th, which I believe also happens to be its 16th anniversary in North America. Either way, that's a heck of a long time for people to be playing and enjoying a game about lawyers, which taken at face value hardly seems possible. You know, soldiers, knights, bounty hunters, plumbers, gorillas, robots, electric mice, sure. But lawyers? You know, I barely would have believed it if someone told me that I'd be enjoying a lawyer game when I was a kid. Yet here we are, and there are not only games, but an anime, figurines, orchestras, a live-action movie, nendoroids, and more. Even the Takarazuka Review. Ah, yes, the all-female theater troupe from Japan. But the series' secret is that, you know, it's not really about lawyers. It's about the characters and the mysteries and the stories, and it has very little to do with real law. And until you discover that, it's easy for people to overlook this series. But for those who give it a chance, it can easily become an obsession. Yeah, I remember the first time that I heard about it, I had seen it in GameStop and somebody um, had told me about it a little bit when I asked about it in an IRC chat room, which gives you an idea of how long ago I found out about it. And that was when I decided to buy a Nintendo DS to play it right then and there. Oh, and nice. I was hooked. Yeah, for me, I actually first heard about the game when I was at some Capcom event for the press in the early 2000s. I was waiting for some presentation or other, and I was just casually chatting with a Capcom localization employee in the meantime, and he says something to me like, so have you heard of Yakuten Saibon? To which I'm like, nope. And he tells me, oh, it's this totally crazy anime-style lawyer game that Capcom released for GBA over in Japan. And the characters argue back and forth, and it's kind of like Street Fighter with words. And he goes on to say how he would love to see this game come to North America, but because it relies so heavily on the Japanese language and Japanese puns, there is just no way this game is ever going to come out here. And then 2005 happened. Yes, fast forward a few years to the Nintendo DS, and I see Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney, gets announced. I'm like, oh, this is the game that that Capcom dude told me about, and I could not wait to play it, and I did, and I loved it, and, you know, it basically just went from there. You know, I fell in love with the characters, I fell in love with the art, the stories, and, of course, especially catching your adversaries lying. You know, discovering that lie, pulling out the evidence, shoving it in their face with an objection, and exposing their sniveling, lying butts to the court is just super satisfying, in my opinion. And, you know, the fact that you could actually do it by, you know, yelling objection out loud on DS made it even better, in my opinion. I found out you could do it in both English and Japanese. <laughs> you know, I've never actually tried doing it in Japanese in the English versions, but I did try yelling it out in Japanese the first time I played Dai Yakuten Saiban, which of course was the, uh, the 3DS version. 
Right. So when I was a kid, I used to get a series of puzzle mysteries out from the library mm -hmm. that were published by Osborne, I believe that's how you pronounce it, British publisher. And anyway, I found that the Ace Attorney series was a lot like them huh. when you had to solve a puzzle as well as solve a mystery at the same time, going through looking for clues, piecing together clues from the evidence that you've collected, and then actually going to trial and figuring out how best to present them. It's got gripping stories. There's tons of humor. I do like some of the punny names a lot, mm -hmm. but some of them kind of feel like they're phoned in sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. But, yeah. The later games, especially Spirit of Justice, are really great at weaving together separate threads into a complete story. Like, we had the two stories of Phoenix in Kurain and uh, yes. Apollo and Athena back home in home wherever it is yeah and the fact that at first their cases aren't really connected to each other there's uh the fact that the prosecutor is Kurainese, but then you start delving under the surface of life in Kurain and find out the seedy underbelly under there and yes. i just loved how everything came together in the end we'll probably be talking about that a little bit later too Yes, I'm sure. And that is one of the things that's great about them, the way it takes all these threads and ties them together and usually in a very, very satisfying way. And I think that's why, you know, here we are all these years later, ready to celebrate two whole decades of Ace Attorney. So first, we're going to discuss the newest game in the series, the great Ace Attorney Chronicles for Switch. And then we're also going to look at some of our favorite and least favorite characters and also rank all of the games that have been released in North America so far. All right, so let's turn the clock back to the turn of the 20th century and talk about the Great Ace Attorney Chronicles. Yes, this one came out on Switch back in July, and of course it is basically two games in one, Dai Gyakuten Saibon and Dai Gyakuten Saibon 2, which released in Japan in 2015 and 2017 respectively, I believe, both on 3DS, but they never came to North America until now. And this game tells the story of Ryanosuke Naruhodo, who was Phoenix Wright's ancestor and how he traveled from Japan to England and became a defense attorney and hung out with Sherlock Holmes or Herlock Sholmes, as you will. And I'm really glad that both games released together because it really is just two halves of a single story. Yeah, and I really think that um, Shutakumi and the writers really nailed it with a setting, really brought out the way life was in Victorian era London back then. In some ways, I'm sure. They really did their research on British society. I was fascinated to find out about how uh, they had coin-operated gas meters back then, mm -hmm. and also different forms of popular entertainment. I'm not really a big Sherlock Holmes fan, but now after playing this game, I'm definitely going to start reading the stories. Yeah, there are lots of little nods to the books. Mm-hmm. The only things that kind of went over my head, the language is pretty accurate to the era. And one of the things that I touched upon in my review for Nintendo Force was that there's a lot of Cockney rhyming slang that kind of goes over the heads of an average American. <laughs> yeah, probably over my head too. Yeah, it would be nice if we had some sort of a glossary or at least a little bit of an explanation as to what certain terms are. I mean, we did get a couple of scenes where we found out, okay, that's what that means. But yeah, I think they also really nailed it with portraying the characters with their different accents, especially uh, Gina Lestrade. Mm -hmm. She has that heavy Cockney accent, and I could just hear it in my head when I was reading her dialogue. 
Another thing that I really loved about it was the fact that they decided to keep the names for some of the Japanese characters, but not all of them, which I found a little bit strange. I know that the localizers were trying to keep in the spirit of making punny names, but they turned uh, punny Japanese names into words in English, which was kind of weird, but... Then again, there were some instances where if you understand Japanese, then a name has a very interesting double meaning. Hmm, yeah, probably didn't catch that myself. But overall, you did really like the game. You gave it a 9.0, right? Yes, I did. I absolutely loved it. I think it was a true return to form for the Ace Attorney franchise. And I really hope that we get to see another installment of the mainline series in the coming years. But... This was really worth the wait, and they did an excellent job on this, and I absolutely loved spending time in London with Ryunosuke, Susato, Herlock, and Iris. Yes, so did I, although I have to admit it actually did take a little bit of time to grow on me. I mean, I liked it fairly well right off the bat, but I wasn't sure how much of that was because it's like, oh, this game's actually really good, or it's like, okay, it's Ace Attorney, I've been waiting for a new Ace Attorney for a long time. I definitely had a few issues like the first three cases in great ace attorney one all felt sort of like tutorials to me like the first case was your gameplay basics your second case was how to do investigations the third case was about the jury trials and pitting the jurors against each other also i thought that the opening case where ryanosuke is accused of murder was possibly the weakest case in the entire two games. You know, it had some pretty major logic holes, I thought, which, you know, isn't necessarily unique to this entry in the franchise. But this case in particular just sort of felt rougher around the edges than you would expect out of Ace Attorney. It's like they were a little bit rusty at the writing, huh? <laughs> possibly, possibly. Or, you know, maybe they did the other stuff first, like, oh, yeah, we have to put in a first case. Sometimes getting in that first case is the toughest, most challenging thing, I might imagine. I mean, certainly with other games, I've heard that putting in the opening level can come last and be the most challenging part. And, I mean, the Ace Attorney franchise has really done it very well, especially with the opening cases for Justice of All and Trials of Tribulations. Yeah, there have been some really great ones, but I don't think uh, they quite pulled it off in this case. Also, I have to confess, on top of that, I didn't really love Ryanosuke as a character. Like, you know, I really got a good feeling for Phoenix Wright right off the bat. You know, he had a really strong sense of justice. I knew what he wanted to do. I knew why he wanted to do it. I knew who he was doing it for. But, you know, then we have Ryanosuke, who is just sort of there by chance. He's sort of fell backwards into the events that are going on. He didn't even have a very strong personal stake in what he's doing. And I found his character design with his kind of fairly normal hair and his black outfit to be kind of plain. Well, I have to agree. I think that Kazuma might have made a better main character just because yeah, that's he's what just I thought so first, much too. more visually striking. He's already an ace attorney mm -hmm. and uh, he's got a capable assistant at his side. Yes, this is all very true. But fortunately for me, things got a lot better from there. The fourth and fifth cases in the first game felt a lot more satisfying and meaty, and the story really built to a climax throughout Great Ace Attorney 2. 
You also do meet a lot of great characters who have the appeal and personality that I thought Rhinosuke was lacking, not the least of which the one you just mentioned. Also, Herlock and his child genius roommate Iris were great. I really liked the Shom's goofiness and his dances of erroneous deduction, and I felt they added a really nice extra angle to the investigations. I also uh, really liked uh, Genia's character, uh, in addition to her dialogue, as you already mentioned, and the role that she played throughout Great Ace Attorney Chronicles. Who did, would you say you liked more, um, Sherlock or Iris? I think uh, Sherlock, or Herlock, as the case may be. Yeah, I am going to have to catch myself every time I say Sherlock. It needs to be Herlock. Herlock. Well, he's Sherlock in Japan, so uh, I think it's okay. Yeah, and the only reason why he is Herlock here is because of American copyright law. Apparently, the last few stories that uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle wrote are still under U.S. copyright protection for at least another couple years. Yeah, that's what someone had told me. I had thought they would be public domain by now, but uh, nope, apparently not. But yeah, there are a lot of really interesting and likable characters in this game, and I even kind of wanted to like the antagonist, the prosecutor, Barack Van Zeeks. Like, you know, he's cold, he's calculating, he doesn't really seem evil, though, and he, too, seems to have this strong sense of justice. So I'm like, hey, he's kind of one of the more likable uh, antagonists in the whole series. But then he has this whole unapologetic racist aspect to him, which I definitely could have done without. I know that's a whole underlying theme here. And like you said, you know, they're trying to be true to the times. You know, the Londoners are being subtly and not so subtly kind of racist to Ryanosuke and Suzato. And, you know, that probably is what would have happened in early 20th century London. You know, it's not like everything in the game is totally grounded in authentic realism. Yeah, that's true. Iris and Sholmes being good examples. Yeah, I thought it was kind of a romantic view of turn-of-the-century London, especially yes, in the in cases where um, we've got Gina Lestrade eventually working as a police officer. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Barack Van Zeeks. He, he was basically a huge jerk. <laughs> Anybody who puts their feet up on the prosecutor's bench and throws wine glasses around is a huge <laughs> jerk. But he was very entertaining in those respects. Those, those things didn't bother me. But again, you know, going back to you know, this whole little racist thing, there's just like never any time where it's resolved. There's no part where he or anyone else says, oh, I was wrong to judge you based on your race. I apologize. There was nothing like that. I was expecting that would happen maybe at the end. So there's like no moral, just this underlying uncomfortable racism, which mm. everyone just kind of accepts the entire game. Mm. And, you know, I didn't fully see the point. You know, I think the story could have been told just as well without it. And if you're not going to punctuate it with like, hey, racism's bad, don't do it. You know, maybe it shouldn't have, have been there so much. Yeah, I was kind of hoping that at least at the end, um, he would soften up a little bit. And yeah, I mean, at least at the very end, he acknowledged Yunosuke as his equal. He does do that, but he never is like, oh, hey, all you Japanese people are okay. I shouldn't have been that way. So. Mm. But yeah, that aside, I ended up liking almost everything else. The game looks great and sounds great. Uh, the writing and localization are excellent. And there are many captivating characters and mysteries here. You know, I thought that a few things about it were obvious. And 
like I said, there were you know, a few plot holes throughout, but the narrative did keep me pretty riveted. I was guessing until the end, and when it wrapped up, I was really hoping that I would see more of these characters and their stories and find out what Ryan Isake does next. So, you know, I'm not sure I'd rate it quite as high as you did, Rebecca, but I would probably give it maybe an 8 or an 8.5. Yeah, that's understandable. Anything else you wanted to add? During the ending sequences, I thought that they were great. When they have the ending sequences of the two games, they have all the characters marching together in a line across the screen with the backgrounds from the case. There was a moment during the ending sequence of the first game, and it is a moment where one character stops in front of another character, and that character gets handed something, and I absolutely lost it at that point. You know... I don't quite remember what you're talking about. And I remember being very tired, my mind kind of wandering when the credits were rolling. Maybe I'll have to go back and take a look and uh, see what you're talking about. Yes. And if you know, you know. (laughs) Okay. Well, anyhow, I think that kind of takes care of the first part of our discussion here. So I guess it's already time for us to have a little intermission and... Hold it! Whoa, what? Huh? What are you talking about? Are you pulling a peat on me? What's going on here? Can you do that? Chris? Yes? I was just handed the updated autopsy report. So, uh, what does it say? Pardon my discourtesy for asking. Interesting. It says here that it's time to hassle the Hoff. Oh, no. All right. I will allow this evidence to be submitted. Okay. In that case, what's the question? You are on trial. Hmm. You must choose one Ace Attorney franchise character to defend you in court. However, it cannot be an attorney, an assistant, police, or a member of the judiciary. Who will defend you, and why? Larry Butts. Really? Yes. I'm not entirely sure why, but I feel like somehow, despite the fact that all these... uh, you know, bad things seem to happen to him. You know, when something stinks, it's usually the butts. I feel like he usually manages to nonetheless come out on top, despite everything that's going on around him and all the chaos he causes. It sort of ends up well for the guy. So I feel like maybe some of that awkward luck would rub off on me and uh, that would, uh, you know, get me through the case unscathed. I mean, I didn't give that any thought whatsoever that was just my immediate thought was i want to have it be larry butts maybe i should say it should be the steel samurai because he could just you know stab people with his sword but uh, yeah off the top of my head i'm going with larry yeah and he always seems to be at the right place at the wrong time doesn't he (laughs) yes or the wrong place at the right time i don't know but yeah i mean somehow he manages to pull through constantly he's reliable in that one respect at least just one Okay, well, with that out of the way, we will take our intermission, and then when we come back, we will discuss some of our favorite characters and games of the Ace Attorney series.
All right, we are back and we are ready to continue our 20th anniversary celebration of the Ace Attorney series. First, by picking our favorite characters and then by ranking the games. So, first up, our top five favorite Ace Attorney characters. And I am going to start. All right, let's hear them. So, starting with number five, I am going with Emma Sky. Detective Emma Sky. Oh, she's actually my honorable mention. Ah, nice, nice. Yeah, I just really liked her character arc. You know, she was kind of annoying when she first appeared in From the Ashes in the bonus case in Ace Attorney 1. But then it was fun to see her as an adult detective in Apollo Justice, especially munching on her chocolate snack hoos all the time. But then I really liked seeing her in Ace Attorney 5 and 6, where she had actually realized her dream of being a forensic investigator and was much more upbeat. And I would just overall call her character very aspirational. Yeah, I agree. She's probably one of the only people in the series to have actually achieved her dreams and is actually very happy doing her work. My number five favorite character is actually somebody that works with her in a sense. He is Clavier Gavin Uh from Apollo Justice Ace Attorney. Yes. So reason why I chose him is that he is the nicest prosecutor in the entire series. He never resorts (laughs) to any dirty tricks. He treats Apollo and Trucy with the utmost respect, and he doesn't put feelings for his family and his friends ahead of the pursuit of justice. And He does say hair forehead a lot, but other than that, yeah. Yeah, and he's also the type of guy that you just want to have a big glass of milk with. <laughs> Indeed. All right, so what is your number four? Well, my number four, that's a great segue in, because it is his rival, Apollo Justice. Ah, And when Apollo first appeared in the fourth Ace Attorney game, I actually didn't care for him very much. And, you know, I said this about Ryanosuke as well, but it's even more true with Apollo that it seemed like he just sort of fell backwards into everything. He was constantly being manipulated. He didn't really feel like his own character, despite being the star in the title. But then in Ace Attorney 5, he became much more interesting, both with his appearance and that sort of dark Apollo persona he adopted for a little bit. And then by the time his story was told in Ace Attorney 6, I thought he was great and I just wanted to see more of him. And, you know, they managed to take this character that initially fell very flat for me and make him go to really interesting places. So he is my number four pick. Yeah, and my number four pick is actually a new character who was just recently introduced, Susato Mikotoba from The Great Ace Attorney. Oh, fine choice. Yeah, she comes across as reserve, but she's probably one of the most accomplished women in the series, not just Mm -hmm. with her education, but also she's an accomplished martial artist, as Ryunosuke would painfully tell you. (laughs) She comes across to me as a mixture of all the best qualities of Mia Fey and Athena Sykes, and the best part is that she can hold her own in a courtroom. Yes, yes, she can. I find it very hard to believe that she is only 16, especially since she doesn't age in the entire time of Grace Attorney Chronicles. She is 16 that entire time, even though almost a whole year passes. So I think maybe she's lying about her age. But yeah, she's a great character. Well, speaking of characters that got their start at a very early age, 
Actually, no, you go first. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. My number three, I am going with Miles Edgeworth. Oh, he's your number three. Yes. I would say he is probably the coolest character in the Ace Attorney series. He's the bad guy that's so appealing that they had to make him good. And, you know, he is sort of a jerk at first, but he really does come around. And even though he's a prosecutor, you know, basically a villain in the world of Ace Attorney, he proves that he has just as strong a sense of justice as the good guys. He is willing to go to great lengths for his friends. And uh, also, I have to say, it is rather adorable that he is a closet Super Sentai fan. Plus, he has that sweet cravat and magenta suit. So yes. I'm going with him for pick number three. Real men wear pink. Indeed. My number three, speaking of people who got their start at a very early age, is Francisca von Karma. Aha, uh -huh, I had a feeling. Yep. She started out as a prosecutor at the tender age of 13 and started <laughs> out seeking revenge for her father being put away for um, murder. But Phoenix takes her down a couple notches in court, and then you eventually find out the denouement comes, and you find out that the only reason why she wanted revenge was because she wanted to surpass her older adopted brother. Mm -hmm. And she ends up doing a face turn in Trials and Tribulations and becomes a huge ally, and she's a huge ally to you in Miles Edgeworth Investigations as well. Yep. Uh, the only thing that I wish is that we could see more of her, because... She doesn't appear after Trials and Tribulations, and there's barely any mention of her in the 3DS games. I really hope that the next Phoenix Wright installment, we see her return, especially since we had reintroductions to Maya and Pearl. Yeah, that would be great. Uh, also, maybe one day we will actually get to read Franzi's Whippity Whip Trip. I'm pretty sure that is a bestseller. Without a doubt. Okay, going on to my number two. I'm going with Phoenix Wright himself. Ah. It is, you know, it's hard not to pick Phoenix. He's the hero. He is the face of the franchise after all. He has a you know, very strong sense of justice, as I think I mentioned with Edgeworth as well. You know, he stands by his friends. He is clever. He is courageous. And unlike some of the other Ace Attorney protagonists, he often does kind of seem to be on top of things. And this is especially true in the later games when he proves himself to be a great mentor and a great father figure. And like I was saying about Edgeworth, he really does know how to rock a suit and has enviable hair. Phoenix Wright was my second favorite character as well. Nice. And for a lot of the same reasons that you said. And the reason why he went into law was to help somebody who helped him at a dark moment in his childhood. Yeah. And in the process, he helped countless others. Yes. He didn't let being disbarred bring him down either. I mean, maybe a little bit, but uh, yeah, he sure bounced back. All right, so who is your number one? My number one favorite Ace Attorney character is Athena Sykes. Ah! And what I like about her is her perseverance and determination. Because, you know, when you play through the game she debuted in, Dual Destinies, she has been through some seriously dark and traumatizing stuff. But she has pushed back and fought through it all and really worked hard to make something of herself. You know, she's another one that, of course, you know, is some sort of a genius and got to start at a pretty young age. I think she's only 19 in the game. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes this trauma finds its way to the surface and, you know, sometimes it gets to her, but it doesn't really ever stop her. She just keeps on going no matter what. She still manages to be 
upbeat and goofy despite it all. And that is what makes her my favorite Ace Attorney character. Yeah, she is really great, although I wish that they could have used her a little bit more in uh, Spirit of Justice. Yes, I wish that as well. Now, my number one favorite is Miles Edgeworth. Uh Aha, I had a feeling it might be. Yep. He's basically the guy who stuck up for Phoenix when everyone else was against him. Yep. But then tragedy struck and he was molded into the mirror image of the man who he later found out was responsible for killing his father. (laughs) Yes. And the fact that he was able to finally learn the truth and finally break free turned him into a likable rival. And he also got his own spinoff game in the process, which is also pretty good. Mm -hmm. And of course, as I already said, awesome cravat. And then he gets glasses. <laughs> yep. Big Daddy Edgeworth. Mm-hmm. All right. Excellent. I think those are some great choices. Uh, why don't we move on to our top five most despised Ace Attorney characters? And this isn't necessarily the characters that are the most sinister in the games because they've committed the worst crimes or anything. I mean, that's fine to choose it that way, but it could just be, you know, characters that we find really annoying it is a very personal subjective choice yeah i had a lot of trouble going over all of the villainous characters and trying to figure out who i would choose (laughs) but to be honest i mean mo the clown doesn't hold a candle to how dastardly some of these people are (laughs) hey mo was quoting uh the a team so he can't be all bad Yeah, but still, he has a hat that changes its facial expression. That's got some weird magic going on. This is true. Okay, all right, I'm going to get into the list. I'm going to start with my number five, and that is Callisto Yu from Ace Attorney Investigations. I'm going to keep it brief. You know, she is just a filthy liar through and through, and she has that horribly insulting laugh, and that is enough to get her onto my list. My number five is Manfred von Karma. Mm, He is a big jerk. Yep. He's such a perfectionist. He's willing to do anything to keep his streak alive, even kill. And actually, the anime has an anime-only episode that kind of redeems him a little bit, which is weird. Oh, the one where it shows him sort of taking Miles under his wing? Yeah, and then Miles finds the lost dog while he's at the mall with Franziska, hears about the huge reward for it, and then says, I don't need the reward. I'm going to donate it to the animal shelter. And that makes Manfred von Karma change his mind about dropping him off at the orphanage. Yeah, kind of forgot about that. But however, it does not change the fact that uh, he did kill Edgeworth's father. So I can certainly see him being number five on your most despised characters list. Yep, it's not shocking at all. Okay, I'm moving on to my number four. I'm going with another horrible character, Dahlia Hawthorne. Ooh. And yeah, she is just evil and deceit personified, yet she manages to hide it fairly well. But, you know, over the course of what we find out, you know, she's killed her ex-boyfriend, killed her stepsister, betrayed her allies, drove one of them to suicide. She wanted to kill Phoenix. She is responsible for the death of, oh, I guess I won't say it just in case because of spoilers, but you know who I'm talking about. So, you know, obviously you are supposed to despise her, and they did a very good job of making that happen. Which is ironic because I think she has one of the most beautiful character designs in the entire series. Yes, it is quite the contrast. 
My number four is actually a tie between Dahlia Hawthorne mm. and Morgan Fay. Ah, okay. Morgan Fay is the mother of Pearl Fay and the aunt of Maya Fay, and she was the mastermind of not one but two attempts to kill her niece, mm -hmm. which would then turn Pearl into the master of the Fay family. And one of the ways that she does it is she tries to turn Pearl into a murder weapon by telling her, yep. you need to channel the spirit of this person. And this person was Dahlia. Yep. Luckily, the only thing that happened was that there was some gravy from a roast and yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. But yeah, yeah. Uh, Morgan is a pretty nasty character, that's for sure. Okay, my number three most despised is Paul Attitian Wimperson from Ace Attorney 6. In short, he is a crooked politician who thinks he is above the law and can get away with anything, and he almost does. I'm not going to get into it too deep, but, you know, it's a little bit too much like real life, in my opinion, and uh, that's about all I have to say about that. All I have to say is that he definitely had one of the pun names that was phoned in. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Can't argue with that either. My number three is Aristotle Means from Dual Destinies. Mm. He is okay. a professor at Themis Legal Academy and was designed to look like a huge Greek marble statue. Everything about yes. this guy is freaky. <laughs> and then he gets on the stand, you break him down, and it gets worser than worse. <laughs> he starts trying to school you. He has the scowl on his face. He throws chalk into your face. He accuses and basically scapegoats Juniper Woods into murder. This guy just freaks me out every which way. <laughs> he was very well animated, though. I'll give him that much. Yeah. Okay, on to my number two. I am picking Rafa from Ace Attorney 6. Rafa, really? Yes, Rafa. I mean, she is the princess of Kurain. And the performer of the divination seance, uh, she's young and spoiled and very self-important and just really, really nasty and insulting throughout the first half of the game. And yes, I realize that she does start to change her ways and come to the realization halfway through of what's going on. But you know what? At that point, I was already so sick of her. I was already fed up. I was like, oh my gosh, this character is just intolerable, and I could barely allow myself to get any sympathy for her. So uh, yeah, that's why she has made it to number two on my list. And it doesn't help that I don't really like the divination seance either. <laughs> okay, I didn't mind it so much, but uh, fair point. What's your number two? My number two is Matt Ungard from Justice for All. Oh, he is a super jerk. Yes. So this guy, he is the main actor of one of Maya's favorite samurai shows. He gets accused of murder. You start to do the investigation, and after getting some information, you confront him in the detention center, and five psyche locks appear. Mm -hmm. You start breaking each one, and as you do, you realize that this guy is as guilty as sin. And he has no remorse whatsoever. And that's when he drops the Matt Riddle act and starts swirling around a wine glass and smiling at you. And that's not the worst part. The worst part is that if you find him guilty, Maya dies. That's right. So tell me, you know, once you've resolved everything, how do you let the case play out? Do you uh, find him guilty or do you find him innocent? 
Well, I find him guilty because Phoenix raises a good point. If he's in jail, he's safe and protected from the machinations of Shelley the Killer, who is going to be out to get him for the rest of his natural life. <laughs> I just do it because, you know, I don't need to have that victory. I would just like to see him be found guilty. That's the way it should be. So, yeah, I always go through that way as well. Okay, on to my number one most despised. It is another Ace Attorney 6 character, this time the primary antagonist throughout the game, Prosecutor Sadmadi. Oh. And like my previous pick, Rafa, he eventually turns and you discover he does have noble intentions, but man, he is like the most spiteful and nasty and insulting character in the whole series for about 95% of the game. And I mean, wow, he is just not a pleasant person, whatever his intentions are. You look up holier than thou in the dictionary and see his face. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I just feel like with Ace Attorney 6, the creators must have decided, you know, we really need to make our bad guys more bad. And they did it so well that to me, they are just, you know, not likable and barely redeemable at all. And so that's why my top three most despised characters are all from that game, even the ones that have switched sides and tried to be your allies. Well, that brings you to my first least favorite Phoenix Wright character, and that would be oh, yes? Garan Sigatar Kurin from Spirit of Justice. Aha. Uh -huh. She is not only the queen of Kurin, but she's also got a stranglehold on the justice system, all because she wanted to be queen instead of her sister. Mm-hmm. Just being able to finally topple both her and her regime in the end of the game is so satisfying. And she's got the most 180 character design <laughs> between her as a queen and her as a prosecutor. And I also always imagined her having the voice of Queen Beryl from the original Sailor Moon dub, too. <laughs> I don't know what that sounds like, but uh, it seems like it should be fitting. Very fitting. But uh, yeah, she almost made my list as well. She is definitely uh, a honorable, or should I say dishonorable mention for sure. Mm. All right. Thank you for participating in that bottom five most heinous characters list. So now I guess it's time for us to go through all the Ace Attorney games that have been released in North America and rank them from nine to one. This includes the six mainline games, Ace Attorney Investigations Miles Edgeworth, Professor Layton versus Ace Attorney, and The Great Ace Attorney Chronicles. And of course, this doesn't mean that any of them are necessarily bad, just that you know, we like some more than others. So we'll just you know, be going through our individual choices with number nine, work our way to number one. And uh, this time, let's start with you, Rebecca. All right. So my number nine Ace Attorney game would have to be Professor Layton versus Phoenix Wright. Okay. I was never really into the Professor Layton games, and mm. it didn't really make me want to go out and play the series. I did really like the characters and the story setting, and I thought it was really imaginative. Yeah, I can see that. Fair enough. Fair enough. For me, my number nine choice is Apollo Justice Ace Attorney. And I hate to say that because I actually think this game does deserve more respect than it gets. But the reason that it is the bottom of my list is just because of its tone. 
it is kind of a depressing game. You know, Phoenix has lost his ability to practice law. Emma has failed to achieve her dream. Apollo is constantly betrayed and manipulated by people that he trusts. And I don't know, I just feel like maybe Takumi-san was going through a rough patch when he made this one or something. Mm. You know, there's nothing wrong with it. It certainly has its moments, but it is kind of disheartening when you think about it. So my number eight game was Ace Attorney Investigations Miles Edgeworth. Ah, interesting. Mine as well. Yep. It's a good concept that I enjoyed, but I didn't enjoy it a whole lot. And also, I think the fact that the second title was never released in North America kind of hurts the story as a whole. I suppose and so. I've heard some really good things about the story in the second part. One thing that I really hope that Capcom will do is release them on the Switch as a double pack like they did yeah, for, for the sure. Great Ace Attorney. Totally. I absolutely agree 100%. Yeah, as I said, this is also my number eight pick, and I didn't think there was anything particularly wrong with it. It certainly is the odd game out with a third-person perspective, although I do like the sprite animation that goes with it. And I also love the idea of an Edgeworth game just in general. It also adds some unique twists, has some fun characters, but I think ultimately what it comes down to for me is that without the rival attorneys to butt heads with, it does lose a little bit of that magic. And because of that, the result ultimately is a little bit less satisfying than some of the other games in the franchise. But yeah, like you said, I would love to see that second one come out so I can finally see what that one's all about. All right, so my seventh favorite Ace Attorney game is Phoenix Wright Trials and Tribulations. Ah, okay. It's a fitting conclusion to the original trilogy, although it is kind of long-winded and a little bit heavy on flashbacks. <laughs> yeah. One thing I should mention is that when I was first playing it, I was alternating chapters of Trials and Tribulations with chapters of Apollo Justice. Oh, interesting. So playing the game through to the ending and knowing exactly what happens to Phoenix just a short time after the ending, mm. just, it made me weep. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I can definitely see that. Like I said, uh, Apollo Justice is uh, kind of a, a hard-hitting game in that respect. But uh, my number seven is Professor Layton versus Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney. Unlike you, I actually love the Layton series. I also love the Ace Attorney series. But somehow I felt like when you put them together, they are less than the sum of their parts. It, too, also had kind of a somber tone, not that much unlike Apollo Justice. But I don't know. I guess what it is, is ultimately I felt like the chemistry between the Professor Layton characters and the Ace Attorney characters just wasn't quite as strong and rewarding as it should have been. Also, I'm remembering the scene now where you think Maya is dead, and that was probably the one time I really felt for Phoenix and you could just see it in his character portrait that's rage simmering underneath the surface. Wow, I totally forgot about that part. Guess it means it's time for a replay. <laughs> All right, so my number six favorite is Phoenix Wright Dual Destinies for the 3DS. Hmm, interesting. Yep, so it was a great soft reboot for the series with a lot of new characters like Athena and a lot of great new mechanics. I loved the concept of Themis Legal Academy. It was probably my favorite case in the game. Mm. And like you said, it is one of the darkest games in the series, especially with the scene where you see Athena saying, something's wrong with mom. 
Uh, yeah, that's true. I mean, it's funny you say that because I actually feel the game is upbeat as a whole, but yeah, it does have some uh, pretty sinister parts. Anyway, uh, my number six choice is The Great Ace Attorney Chronicles. You know, obviously, this game is still very new for North America, so I could easily see it moving up or down the rankings as time goes by. Um, but you know, as I mentioned, has a great story and characters. The mysteries really build up and pay off by the end. And you know, even if I do find Rinosuke himself a bit dull and the early cases a bit slow, you know, overall a very enjoyable game. All right, my fifth favorite title is Apollo Justice Ace Attorney. Okay. Yep. I know you mentioned that it's pretty far low on your list because of the fact that it is so dark and depressing. But um, mm-hmm. I have to agree, seeing Disbarred Phoenix after the seven-year time skip is pretty heartbreaking. But yeah. this was a really good building block for all the titles to follow. I loved seeing the return of Emma and the forensic mechanics. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that I wish that they could have expanded on from here was I wanted to see more Clavier. <laughs> oh, you are clearly a big member of his fan club, aren't you? Oh, yeah. Probably have all their albums. Oh, yeah. Gaviners for life. Just like Apollo. Mm-hmm. Okay, my number five pick is Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney, Trials and Tribulations. Oh. I do like this game, of course, but it ends up in the middle of the pack for me. The Mask to Mask case and the Furio Tigre cases I especially enjoyed. But uh, as you alluded to when you mentioned this game, you know, the flashback cases with Mia in it did drag on just a little bit. And with the finale, I was not totally satisfied with how that played out. Yeah, it definitely feels like um, it should have ended at one point, but then it was dragged out a little bit further, and it made it a little bit less satisfying. Yeah, and I feel like there was also a lot of retconning going on in this whole game to try to make it feel like the culmination of a trilogy, and while I did very much enjoy it, I just don't know if it was 100% successful wrapping everything up in a convincing way. Right, so my fourth favorite Phoenix Wright game is Phoenix Wright Justice for All. Okay. Yep, it was the first sequel to Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney. It introduced mm-hmm. a lot of new memorable characters and mechanics like the Magatama and the Psyche Locks. Mm-hmm. The only thing that I would have against this game is can be summed up in two words. Turnabout Big Top. <laughs> I was going to say, can I turn... Mow the Clown into two words somehow. Okay, my number four choice is Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney, Spirit of Justice. The sixth Ace Attorney game, which to me is the most epic of the Ace Attorney titles. It isn't just Phoenix fighting for his clients. You know, he is fighting for his life, basically, and fighting against the tyranny of an entire country. Uh, As I mentioned earlier, some of the characters definitely can get on my nerves, probably more than intended, but that's not really an issue. I feel like all the characters got a chance to shine on the hero side, especially Apollo, and when you finally finish the game, it feels like you have really done something. It feels like you have conquered the hardest Final Fantasy boss. It's uh, quite a satisfying game. Right, so my third favorite is the most recent, The Great Ace Attorney Chronicles. Okay. And I mentioned a lot of the reasons why I really liked it in the beginning of the podcast. And to reiterate, it's Shu Takami at his best. 
Uh, the setting is perfect. The music is wonderful. The characters are great. And it's a refreshing take on the whole Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson mythos. All right. Yeah, definitely an enjoyable game. My number three choice is Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney Justice for All. And for a long time, I actually considered this to be my favorite game in the series because, uh, as you said, it did augment the gameplay of the original with even more stuff. The Psyche Locks, the Magatama. That really added to the investigations, I thought. You know, you had the ability to present character profiles to open up more gameplay options. And, you know, I just thought it took all of the gameplay from the original and, you know, took it just a little bit further. Um, except, you know, the story, which is why this one clocks in only at number three and uh, not higher than that. Yep. Turnabout Big Top drags everything down. <laughs> I mean, I gotta say, I, I feel kind of bad for, you know, the guilty party in that one. But man, he was he was trying to murder a kid, man. That just ain't right. Yeah. It's Phoenix Wright. Right. And my number two favorite is Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney Spirit of Justice. Okay. Yep, you've already gone over a lot of the reasons why that game is so memorable and perfect, but for me, the big reason why I love this game is the return of Maya. Aha, that's another good reason, yes. Also, Trucy gets a chance to shine again. There's a case that is centered around her and her magic show. Yep, although I think the most memorable thing about that one for me is uh, the bad guy and his uh, ridiculous animations and uh, you know like when his eyeballs turn into hearts and he's like oh you cute little thing even though he's horribly annoying but <laughs> yeah that was a part all right okay my number two pick is also a more recent title that is phoenix wright ace attorney dual destinies and I felt that this one was just a really strong return to form after, you know, the gloominess of Apollo Justice. And it does offer, you know, these three distinct protagonists. You know, I've never figured out what the dual destinies are because there's really like these three distinct characters. Is it uh, Blackwell and Athena? Is it Apollo and Phoenix? I don't know. It doesn't matter. But, you know, each of these three protagonists has their own unique gameplay elements, it really upped the presentation factor of the series. Uh, and as I mentioned before, it does have my favorite characters with a rejuvenated Phoenix, a greatly improved Apollo, a happier Emma, and of course the debut of Athena. And, uh, you know, like we talked about earlier, Edgeworth with glasses. Uh, the villain is very forgettable, but I guess you can't have everything. Yeah, that's true. All right, so I have a feeling I know what your favorite Ace Attorney game of all times is, so yes, I will I say... think uh, I might have an idea of what yours is as well. And that would be Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney. <laughs> yes. The cornerstone of one of the very best mystery franchises on the Nintendo DS. In fact, probably one of the only mystery franchises on the Nintendo DS. It is very high on my personal top 10 list, only surpassed by Nine Hours, Nine Persons, Nine Doors. I can still remember the emotions that I went through when Phoenix discovered Maya dead in her office yeah. and when Miles picked up the gun on the floor of the rowboat. And I absolutely love this game. It is such a great foundation for what was to follow. And for sure. it sparked off a long and satisfying fandom. 
Yes, yes, indeed. I mean, I think you can point to other games in the series and say that these are better in this way or this other way. You know, maybe the gameplay is better here, the graphics are better there. But you know, overall, this one is indeed my favorite as well. You know, for the most part, when I'm reviewing games, I would like to say that gameplay is king. But uh, that's not necessarily true in Ace Attorney. You know, the story and the characters might be even more important here. And that's one of the reasons why I rank this one so high, because it does have such great character relationships that, like you said, is sort of the cornerstone of the series. Uh, not only Phoenix and Mia and Phoenix and Maya, but uh, I think especially that of Phoenix and Edgeworth. You know, I think that is you know, perhaps the most important relationship in the entire series. And I feel like that's what the game is all about. It really defines the franchise. And there is lots of other good stuff as well. You know, I talked about, uh, you know, I like Larry Butts. I even like uh, Wendy Oldbag. Really? <laughs> yes. She is my favorite annoying character in the franchise. Ah, very high on your annoying characters list. I wonder where she would rank <laughs> compared to Mo the Clown. <laughs> well, I would love to see those two get together. That would be epic. Yeah. One thing I do really love about Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney is the fifth case, Rise from the Ashes. It's, yeah, um, yeah, that is totally epic. To borrow from anime, it's kind of like an OAV for the Phoenix Wright series, but the fact that it introduces a whole bunch of really great um, gameplay concepts that take advantage mm -hmm. of the Nintendo DS's touchscreen. Yeah, that's true. Really drives the experience home for me, even if um, you do get a little bit lightheaded trying to clear away the fingerprint dust. <laughs> yeah, I'm really glad that the 3DS games had a button designated to blow the dust away when you're doing fingerprinting. Oh, I suppose. But uh, yeah, both in that case and just, you know, throughout, you know, the, the regular cases as well, you know, this game established all this innovation. It was, you know, the standard bearer. And that really makes it hard to beat, in my opinion. And, you know, that's why it's number one for both of us, I guess. The best way to play it, I think, would probably be to try and find the original DS version on original DS hardware or get the remastered version on the 3DS as long as we're still able to access the 3DS store. Yeah, I mean, personally, I love playing it on the DS because, as I mentioned before, I always have to yell objection into the microphone when I can. Do you use that feature or do you not use that feature? Um, that depends. Um, when I was living by myself, I used that feature a lot. Okay. I try to use it especially when I'm on the bus. Mm. No, that's that's not true. Okay. All right. I kind of think that does it. You know, that takes care of our rankings of the games. That takes care of our uh, opinions of uh, the newest title. You know, we've talked a lot about Ace Attorney here, favorites, least favorites, new, old. But I hope our fellow Ace Attorney enthusiasts have enjoyed this 20-year retrospective celebration. And for those that have not played it yet, you know, why the heck are you still listening this far into the show? No, seriously, uh, if there's anyone out there listening who hasn't played a game of the series, I hope we've encouraged you to check it out. Take it from us. This is probably one of the best experiences you'll ever have playing a mystery visual novel. Yeah, those are some strong words, but uh, I have to agree. Although I don't think I would really call it a visual novel myself, because there's so much more to it than, than just that. But uh, in general, yes, I agree with the sentiment entirely. So yeah, with that said, I think it's pretty much time to wrap up this edition of the show. Although, uh, you know, now that I think about it, we do have time for 
probably just one more thing. <gasps> and that, of course, is a dramatic reading. Dramatic reading is dramatic. And this time, it is a dialogue excerpt from the Nintendo 3DS game, Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney, Spirit of Justice. My theory that he was able to go along the outside wall despite the danger is based on the power of love. To save the bride he loves, the groom risked his life and rushed to her side. Mr. Sprocket was able to make it to the Vista Deck despite the danger because of the power of love. The power of love? Hmm. That love is a source of strength that can help one overcome any obstacle. I think I can relate thanks to my own long, happy marriage. Wow, he actually seems to be buying it. Objection! The power of love, you say? That kind of illogical argument is hardly viable in a court of law. Wouldn't you agree, Your Honor? I'm afraid not, Mr. Edgeworth. You should never underestimate the power of love. You'll understand one day when you get married. Which I won't. Exactly. What is so wrong with wishing to remain unwed? Way to set him off, Your Honor. Never mind all this unscientific nonsense. Are you aware, Mr. Wright, that at the time of the crime, there was a huge propeller turning at full speed between the hatch and the vista deck? Even if a person were to go outside through the hatch, they'd be blown away in an instant. Ah! <laughs> Where does your power of love get you now? Mr. Wright. That was pretty fun. <laughs> Although, I was kind of hoping that we would go for the old ladder-stepladder argument. <laughs> he does ask a good question, though, you know. What does the power of love get, Phoenix and Edgeworth? I mean, I've heard that the power of love is a curious thing. It makes one man weep and another man sing. Well, I can say that um, Phoenix Wright is definitely one of the things that brought me and my husband closer together. Hmm. So you're more on the uh, making you sing side, then. Oh, yeah. All right. I was going to say we may never know the truth, but uh, I think I can handle that truth. Anyway, I think that does it for this episode of the show. Thank you so much for joining us for this special episode of Power Pros. We are still not on a regular schedule at all, so I'm not sure if or when we'll be back again. But nonetheless, you can reach us at PowerProsePod on both Facebook and Twitter, as well as via email at PowerProsePod at gmail.com. You can reach me on Twitter at ChrisTheHoff and Rebecca at Strawbecky underscore 81. You can also see the Nintendo Force Patreon at Patreon.com slash Nintendo Force. And I am working on a charity project called Nomtendo. You can find out more information on that at Nomtendozine on Twitter. That's N-O-M-T-E-N-D-O-Z-I-N-E. It is an art book and cookbook that I have a short story in. Excellent. Thank you for listening, everybody. For myself, Rebecca Rudranath. Silcat, Cloak, White Roses. And our personal consulting detective, Mr. Herlock Sholmes. So then, let us unravel this mystery. Keep on playing with power.